Hello and welcome to Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking. Thanks for joining us. I'm Malcolm Borthwick, Managing Editor at Bailey Gifford. These are exciting times for cardiac medicine. Technology is transforming the treatment, diagnosis and prevention of heart attacks, strokes and other blood circulation problems. That's just as well, because the challenge is huge. These are the leading killers of our age. By the time you finish listening to this podcast, about eight people in the UK will have died of these ailments. That's a rate of one person every three minutes. To discuss why the figure is set to fall and some of the firms making that possible, I'm joined by Rose Wien, an investment manager in the Health Innovation Fund. Before we start the conversation, some important information. Please remember that as with all investments, your capital is at risk and your income is not guaranteed. Rose, great to have you with us on Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Malcolm, for having me. And thank you, everyone, who are tuning into this podcast. Um, Let's start with why cardiovascular diseases are so hard to cure. Heart disease is a very common disease, as you mentioned. It's the number one killer globally, but it's also a very complex disease. Heart disease is an umbrella term that includes many different conditions that affect the heart and the blood vessels. The most common condition is a buildup of plaques and fatty deposits inside of the arteries and the blood vessels. And this will restrict blood flow and can lead to heart attacks, strokes, uh, uh, organ failures and so on. Um, unlike many other diseases, like rare diseases that are caused by single gene mutations, heart diseases have been very difficult to cure and eradicate because of the complexity of its biology. It is the result of the interaction of many genes in our body and also many other environmental factors like lifestyles, diet, smoking um, habits and so on. Um, And so how the disease manifests itself um, and how it progresses differs vastly from one person to another. And so that's why uh, it has been very difficult to treat with the types of medicines that we have today, which are mostly generic medicines that are one size fits all, and they don't take into account the differences between the individuals. If medicines don't work, then the other option um, that we have is surgeries. But surgeries have been typically very invasive and risky up until recent years. So that is the scale of the challenge that we face. But I believe that with the pace of innovation that we are seeing in the field, there are reasons to be optimistic about the future. And tell me why you're optimistic about the future. So the reasons why I am optimistic about the future is because there is this great convergence happening among many different fields of sciences and technologies, and they are all coming together to transform life sciences and potentially transform how we diagnose, treat and prevent heart diseases in the future. Over the past five to ten years, we have seen massive advances in some areas of technologies like gene sequencing, material sciences, biomedical engineering, imaging, and so on. 
Maybe just take gene sequencing as an example. The first human genome cost three billion dollars and thirteen years to complete back in two thousand. But now we can routinely sequence the whole human genome for under seven hundred dollars and under an hour. And that massive decline in cost and time over the years have been made possible due to advances in chemistry, optics, software, data analytics, and so on. And I think gene sequencing is probably the one technology that has really revolutionized life sciences. Thanks to gene sequencing, now we understand much more about the biology of heart diseases, the genes that are involved in contributing to higher likelihood of getting heart attacks in humans, and uh, such insight can help us develop much more precise medicines to cater for the individuals. To give you an example of some of the insight that we have derived from genetics. So scientists have performed many population genome studies over the years, and they have discovered、uh, many risk genes that contribute to higher risk of getting heart diseases.、Uh, one of them is called PCSK9. This is a gene that regulates the amount of cholesterol in the bloodstream. But some individuals who are unlucky to, you know, inherit two copies of mutated PCSK9 gene can develop heart attacks in their childhood. And if you inherit one copy of this mutated gene, you can develop heart attacks in your forties or fifties. And so these are incredible insight, really important knowledge that has just been unraveled, you know, recently thanks to new tools like gene sequencing. So let's explore the three broad areas of progress in more detail: treatment, diagnosis, and prevention. Where would you like to start? Let's start with diagnosis because I actually think this is one of the biggest challenges that we face in our battle against heart diseases. The challenge here is that heart disease is very difficult to diagnose. It is often mistaken as signs of old age,、um, you know, with symptoms like shorter breath, fatigue, chest pain, and so on. And so it's often even ignored by the patients themselves. And then the second part is even when you go to get your health checkup, the current methods for diagnosing heart diseases is not very accurate at all. One of the most common tests at the moment to diagnose heart disease is a stress test. So you basically put a patient on a treadmill to make them do some exercises. And then you can see how their heart performs under stress, and see if there is any area of the heart that is deprived of blood. But stress test is highly inaccurate. About twenty to thirty percent of patients who are sent home actually have undetected heart disease, heart problems. So there's、um, a very innovative U.S. company. 
aiming to transform this paradigm of diagnosis by using a combination of advanced imaging and AI algorithms. It uses CT scans, which capture the image of a patient's heart. And then it uses AI to reconstruct a 3D computer model of the heart and calculate exactly the blood volume that flows through each artery. So this helps the doctors diagnose patients much more accurately and they can also pinpoint exactly which artery has some blockage uh, within the heart. And this technology has already been approved in many countries, including the UK and the US. It has been studied in more than 10,000 people. So very hopeful that you know, technologies like this can potentially you know, transform the way we diagnose heart diseases and you know, leave no one behind. That's fascinating. And it's a, it's a common theme in short briefings, actually, about how companies are using AI to crunch data and make progress. Another company that we're very excited about at Bailey Gifford is Shockwave Medical. And we spoke to the company's CEO to ask him what problem his company is trying to solve. Hi, this is Doug Gottschall, CEO of Shockwave Medical. At Shockwave, we're in the business of improving outcomes in patients suffering from severe cardiovascular calcification. And at Shockwave, we introduced this revolutionary new technology that delivers shock waves, little sound waves, in a catheter just next to the arteries, inside the artery actually. Those sound waves crack the calcium and once the calcium is cracked, the vessel opens up very benignly without trauma and blood flow is restored to the heart muscle or to the legs or the feet or wherever the blood is flowing to. And Shockwave has a fascinating backstory, doesn't it, Rose? Yes, it has a very uh, unique, but also a very humble beginning, actually. So the story was that the company was founded in 2009 by three co-founders, one engineer, one businessman, and one physician. And they had this crazy idea, which was disregarded by many people at the time, which was to use lithotripsy, which is the technology that is used to break kidney stones. And the idea was to use lithotripsy, but somehow modify it so that it can break calcium inside the blood arteries and the blood vessels. Now, if you have ever seen the machine that breaks kidney stones, you will probably understand why many people laughed at this idea in the past because you know the machine is huge, it's very bulky. And so their challenge was to figure out a way to make this machine somehow fit into a catheter that can go inside our artery and then you know break the calcium inside the artery wall. But they managed to achieve just that. But without any funding in the beginning, they had to produce you know, their prototype machines inside the garage. And do you know how they prove the technology with the proof of concept? They collected eggshells uh, from their own <laughs> chicken farms. <laughs> um, and they used the technology and they could show that it breaks the outer shell of the egg without damaging the membranes wow. inside the heart shell. 
Yeah, that is their proof of concept, um, and the rest is history. Yeah, I love those early stories about them buying ultrasound equipment on eBay and various other things as well. Fascinating. Um, and you've been to see them as well in California. Yes, I went to visit their headquarters in 2019 in, in San Francisco, and I had a great meeting with their CEO, Doug Gosho. He also demonstrated the technology to me, and I was very impressed by how simple it is to use and yet how effective it is. I also talked to many physicians and cardiologists in the field as part of our due diligence work, and their feedback was overwhelmingly positive. They have never seen a technology like this. It's very rare in medical technology to have this combination of novelty, safety, effectiveness, and ease of use. Usually, it takes a long time to train doctors on a new medical technology, but with Shockwave's approach, it takes less than one patient for them to get very familiar and up-to-date uh, with the technology. So, so yeah, we invested in the company back in 2019 after you know visiting them and after my route of work. So let's go back to Doug for the last word on Shockwave. We also asked him what would the world look like if his company was successful? We would envision that that all the patients who have the calcification, which is a growing problem, would have access to our therapy. They would not have to go to surgery. Patients who have calcified valves in the heart could be treated with our lithotripsy system and they wouldn't have to have their valves replaced or wouldn't have to have their valves replaced as, as quickly. So better outcomes, lower costs, fewer implants required for the patients suffering from these diseases. And that should all accrue to the benefit of both patient, but also the, the healthcare system by reducing complications, reducing complexity. It conjures up images of what the Nobel Prize winning physicist Richard Feynman talked about in the late 50s in terms of swallowing the surgeon. So companies like Shockwave, they still require some degrees of invasiveness, you know, to put external catheters into the body. But the future could be, you know, surgeries that are totally non-invasive. The idea may sound science fictions, but there are actually research teams already working on that concept of developing nanorobots that can march through our bloodstream and break up calciums inside our uh, blood arteries guided by MRI imaging. So you could imagine, you know, one day in the future, you could actually swallow these nanoparticles, these nanorobots, that can basically do the surgeries inside of our body for us. So we talked about treatment and diagnosis. Let's move on to the third part, which is prevention. Tell me about a company that you're excited about in this area, Rose. 
So with prevention, we all know that lifestyles and diet are one of the most effective way to reduce um, your risk of getting heart diseases and heart attacks. So leading a healthy lifestyle, you know, is 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 the number one defense against heart diseases. And there are companies like Beyond Meat and Peloton and so on that are encouraging people to do that in 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 a more effective way. However, for the individuals who are unlucky to inherit some serious risk genes, lifestyles alone may not be enough. So we might need some medical intervention to help prevent heart attacks in those individuals. And there is a really interesting company called Verve Therapeutics in the U.S. It is developing gene editing treatments to edit out the very serious risk genes like PCSK9 that I mentioned earlier to lower the chance of um, heart attacks in humans. This approach is revolutionary. And this is the first time that uh, gene editing treatment is being tested in humans. And the data that the company has shown in non-human primates is very impressive. They are able to show that after taking out the PCSK9 gene, um, the non-human primates um, you know, perfectly healthy. And the, the level of bad cholesterol in their bloodstream uh, has been reduced by you know, more than 70%. And the impact of that is persistent for up to two years now. So I am very impressed by such results, and hopefully those results will translate into humans as well. And are there any ethical considerations with gene editing? This is a question that um, is asked by a lot of people, and uh, specifically in this case where you know you permanently turn off a gene in the human body, it's fair that you know some people may feel uncomfortable about that. However. Again, through human genome studies, we actually discovered that there are many people around the world who are born without the PCSK9 gene and they are perfectly healthy and they actually have much lower chance of heart attacks compared to the average population. There are already drugs approved on the market that also targets the same gene. So as far as we know, with all of the data that we have, editing out this gene seems to be perfectly safe for humans. Now, you know, you, you may ask, why does nature give us a gene that does not serve any purpose? And I, I asked this question to the management team of Verve Therapeutics, actually, and, and they said that one hypothesis that the scientists have is that this gene might have played some roles in the past, in the very early days of, of uh, human evolution, when food resources were scarce. So it might have played a role during periods of starvation. But now we have the exact opposite problem of excess food and not enough energy bone. So it could be that this gene, even if we allow nature to take its course, this gene might be edited out by nature you know, after, after many years. Um, so what Verve is doing is basically speed up the natural course of evolution in a way. And what companies are you researching right now? 
So I just uh, finished a report on a company called Star Surgical. It's also really cool. It um, So instead of laser eye surgery for people with short-sightedness problems, it develops this lens that you can insert on top of your natural lens in the eye and it will correct for you know short-sightedness, far-sightedness and so on. And compared to laser eye surgery, this has much better outcomes, especially for people who have very serious um, short-sightedness problems, like above minus six. It also has uh, fewer side effects, you know, no dry eye syndrome uh, and things like that. I, I didn't know about this company until uh, very recently, but when I was chatting with my parents, my family back in Vietnam, and they were saying, oh, your brother is considering an eye treatment because he has quite bad eyesight, like minus nine. And so I was asking them, oh, is he doing laser surgery? And my parents were like, no, 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 Like Nowadays, there's a much more innovative, much better treatment, and it turns out wow. to be the one offered by Star. And so I thought, okay, if my parents know about this before me, it's probably quite a strong signal that this is reaching some sort of critical um, tipping point in terms of its adoption curve. <laughs> so, yeah, I did the research and I yeah, got quite excited about, about it. Is your brother in Vietnam? Yeah, he's in Vietnam. Yeah, And he knows about it because his colleague got the treatment. Okay. So it's sort of yeah. now he's got to a point where word of mouth sort of becomes, the, uh, you know, yeah. a way to educate people. Yeah. So tell me a little about your own journey, Rose, because you're clearly enthusiastic about the topic. How did you become interested in health innovation? So I joined Billy Gifford as part of the training program for graduates. And so I've been rotating through several teams before coming to health innovation. But even when I was in my previous teams, I have always been drawn to healthcare companies. And I think part of the reasons might be because I was brought up in a family with two parents who are pharmacists. So, you know, our dinner conversations always touch on, you know, health topics and medicines and so on. So it is something that is very close to my heart. But I would say that sort of the critical moment that makes me decide to join health innovation was when I did a research project in my previous team looking into the history and the future of medicines. And through this research project, I realized the pace of innovation in healthcare and life sciences is accelerating at a very rapid rate. And things that seem like science fiction ideas a couple of years ago are now turning into reality. So as an investor, I think there is no better hunting ground for great investment ideas than, than healthcare. So that's why I decided to, to join Health Innovation. And that's a great way to end the podcast, Rose. Thanks so much for joining us on Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking. Thank you, Malcolm. And thanks to you, the listeners, for investing your time in Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking. You can find our podcast at baileygifford.com forward slash podcasts or subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify or on TuneIn. And if you enjoyed the conversation, you can check out previous discussions we've had on the podcast, 
such as why private companies matter more, to exploring the innovative Scandinavian country that has unearthed global giants such as Ericsson, Spotify and IKEA. What's its secret? Find out by listening to the podcast and there are 27 other episodes, so plenty to choose from. And if you're listening at home, you're listening in the car, wherever you're listening, stay well and we look forward to bringing you more insights in our next podcast. Thank you.